welcome back to another episode of Animation Broadcast and Cinema. My name is Bo Allen. And I'm Jacob Rodier. And uh, we have a special guest joining us this week. Jacob, would you like to introduce our guest? Yeah, so this is my good friend and actor from the <laughs> University of Connecticut, Nick Luberto. Hey. What's hey, up, Nick? Hey. Good to have thanks you on, for, man. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, this is a big week, big day for y'all too, right? Don't you have something mm-hmm. coming out, something happening? Yeah, my short film, The Color Review, just premiered about 15 minutes ago, which was really exciting to watch. Um, and yeah, Nick Libretto is the star in that film, and he killed it. <laughs> um, I am very excited to talk a little bit more about that later. Uh, but first, I wanted to hit some movie news with y'all and get your thoughts on it. So we saw... Christopher Nolan, uh, he, everybody knows, or at least we know that he is making a new movie about uh, the, what's it called, the Manhattan Project, and the cast is looking pretty good so far. I know Jacob is following it very attentively, as all he ever talks about to me is Christopher Nolan, and they just added Christopher Nolan, no, wait, they added Matt Damon and Robert Downey Jr. Uh, to a cast that already has Killian Murphy confirmed and probably Emily Blunt. Um, yeah, she's confirmed. She's confirmed. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, this, is, this must be an old article. Um, I am pumped to see these two. I mean, Matt Damon's always good. And I feel like Downey's roles outside of the MCU aren't as much talked about, uh, except for probably Zodiac. Um so I'm excited to see what he does in the post-Marvel career. I don't know if I count that Doolittle movie as post-Marvel career. I mean, that was definitely post-Marvel. All right. Well, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this movie because Downey is playing the antagonist of the right. film, um, which is very exciting. Uh, so I want to see how Nolan uh, plays with Downey Jr. as like a villain, because I feel like we don't really see Downey as like a, in a villain type role. At least in a long time. Nick, are you as big of a uh, Nolan fan as Jacob is? I mean, I always, always see Nolan films in theater, in IMAX, every time. Um, yeah, there's something about his style of work that's just incredible. It's a spectacle. I mean, every time, every time you go see any of his movies, it's you're just like vibrating in your seat, pretty much. <laughs> Do you also have a shrine in your basement like he does? <laughs> what are you talking about oh, what uh jacob's actually trying to cover that up right now uh, on the zoom sure um, no but what? i'm like i'm really excited to see killian murphy as like the star it's like he's always kind of been like supporting minor character in all of his some of his works so and i, I love killian murphy like peaky mm-hmm. blinders huge peaky blinders fan so um killian yeah. murphy has been fantastic and I almost everything he's done I can't think of anything he's missed on but I'm sure he has Mm -hmm. um there's all everybody has one um all right so what are your thoughts on Dunkirk Nick this is a argument Jacob and I have I mean when people so I've I've always like people have always asked me like 1917 or Dunkirk and I always go with Dunkirk oh Um, Jesus um I love Dunkirk um the builds, yes. the, the the plane noises, like <laughs> all like everything about it is so suspenseful and terrifying. It's like you're literally on that beach. Yeah, like I'm always like, I the, mostly the build of it, like 
it's yeah insane. exactly it's it's so immersive as soon as the movie starts you're just yeah. engulfed into this this yeah. world and you don't leave until no. it ends no yeah you're just sucked in the entire time right. exactly well it made me fall asleep so <laughs> oh <laughs> I, man i took a little nap during oh, Dunkirk. wait Bo, so. did you see it in theaters no we've talked about oh. this okay yeah okay you're, okay well, different experience <laughs> and um people have been watching dune on iphones so i don't know oh, God. <laughs> i saw that on twitter and it made me want to pull my hair out um uh, this is i did not put this on the list but nick did you see dune i did see dune made me uh made me buy the book like yes i could not i could not wait for part two book supremacy literally, literally have been reading it because i need to know more um, yes yeah just the whole world the whole like fantasy of it like it's crazy and the characters and like oh my god there's so many <laughs> interesting characters and it's yeah, there's a lot of characters I, yeah that i like just want to know more about so i'm like i need to buy this book because I'm not i remember when reading sleep. the yeah i remember when reading the book i could not keep track of all the characters i got them mixed uh, up all the time there's just so many to keep track of um, but I feel like the movie did a good job with that. One, because they got a bunch of A-listers, so it was easy to see who they were. But also, I feel like they all kind of developed their personalities really well, and they're all very distinct. Yeah. yeah. The uh, edition of the book that I bought was like the special anniversary edition or something, and it came with like an appendix and like a glossary in the back uh, to like help you I, keep track of all that uh, shit. I wish I had that. Yeah. It fucking helps oh, yeah. <laughs> i'm like i'll see a word and i'll be like nope nope don't know what that is <laughs> yeah. check. and it's always right there it's great um it, it's really useful in the uh beginnings of the book and that was the main thing i was worried about with the movies you know is not being able to translate all that stuff very well but i thought it was handled well um yeah i'm curious as you're what you're gonna think of the movie now that you're reading it and it's kind of like filling in all the the blanks throughout um yeah i i it's there's a lot more to the book like a lot more but i think um even with the big blanks left out it's still a great adaption all right i'm gonna i gotta get us off dune because we did an hour on this accidentally last time um more news from the rust shooting uh you know on set alec baldwin terrible tragic accident over there the lawyer for the armorer who was uh her name is hannah gutierrez reed um he came on television and did an interview which i think is a bad idea if you're in that high of a uh that high profile of a case and he said that the defense they they might be going with and the idea they think they have right now for as to how this accident happened um was that it was sabotage and somebody snuck a live round into an ammo box that shouldn't have been there which what the hell uh jacob you you, you have some you well both of y'all have experience uh with movie sets obviously not with live rounds but i mean i don't see as any way any way that like this would happen i think he even insinuated that some of the staff that walked off like could have been responsible for it he said you can't rule anybody out at this point. We know there was a live round in a box of dummy rounds that shouldn't have been there. We have people who had left the set who had walked out because they were disgruntled. We have a time frame between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. approximately that day in which the firearms were unattended. So there was an opportunity to tamper with this scene. 
it's ridiculous, right? Well, yeah. So I did some research after reading this article because I was curious the difference between a live round and a dummy round. And looking it up, it is so obvious. Like right. really anyone can tell the difference between them. So I really think the lawyer is just trying to get their defense out of this insane case. And also, I kept reading more into this about the, um, I forget her name. It's, I think it's her name's Hannah, the armor on the set. Who's being uh, Han- Hannah Gutierrez-Reed. Right. So apparently on the film that she was working on before this called The Old Way with uh, Nicolas Cage, apparently she did a terrible job on that set and caused Nick Cage to scream at her and storm off set. Well, that's got to um, be scary. And for another, because um, I think she fired a gun near some of the crew and I think maybe near Nick Cage as well um, <sighs> by accident. So she is definitely does not have a good reputation. And I really think she's just trying to cover her ass right now. Um, and like yeah. I feel like there like you said there was that time frame to tamper with the guns, but shouldn't they be locked up like That's... in a in a secure mm-hmm. space with a lock and it's the only the armor or uh only she would have the key yeah. or something. So That's literally her job. Yeah. <laughs> the that's exactly what it's supposed to be and so when they said that 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. time frame where the guns were unattended, it's they added in Gutierrez Reed wasn't able to keep an eye on the firearms during that time period because she had another duty and responsibility as key props assistant. So she had gone to do that. And so, but if, you, if you're the one looking out for the guns, put mm. the guns away. Mm. It's not that fucking yeah. hard. It, no, it's totally her fault. And her lawyer is going to try to spin it any way they can, but it's really, it was her job to keep the crew and cast safe. She's literally the armor, the gun mm-hmm. safety of the, the whole set, and she did not do her job. So it's as simple as that. Right. And another thing that the lawyer stated was, he said, like as a rhetorical to himself, he said, was there a duty to safeguard them 24-7? The answer is no, because there were no live rounds. One, clearly there were, and two, even if there are no live rounds, uh, the difference between a live round and a dummy round is literally like a, a dummy round doesn't have the bullet in it. You know, the big tip that everyone can see on it. So it's a blank. It's blank. There's nothing in it, but it still can shoot out fragments and people have died and in, been injured that way before. So you have to be even careful with dummy rounds. There's still real guns. And even if you think there's just dummy rounds in there, you have to be looking out for the guns 24-7. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, <clears throat> I remember in the... I did, like, a firearms course thing, but it's, like, you always think that the gun's always a live round. Right. Mm-hmm. No, matter, no matter what. Um, and, honestly, if actors are going to be using these weapons, then there should be, like, a firearm course probably before even getting on set at this point just to teach them the the rules of using a weapon or i mean i don't i don't know i haven't like read into if if there was like um anything pre pre uh, shoot that they went over but i'm not sure um oh yeah it obviously seems like they did not have the proper training yeah. well uh, here the thing with that is i'm i'm sure I, i'm haven't checked this but i would be shocked if there wasn't some union mandated thing where they had to have a firearm safety course mm-hmm. um but even if there isn't apparently alec baldwin is like has a, as an actor has always been very like responsible around 
these firearms on sets and so everybody was pretty shocked when obviously his went off with a live round and the problem is it's not i don't think that he was using it incorrectly it was that he was given it and told it had a dummy round in it and so i don't know if it was a rehearsal for the scene or if it was they were shooting the scene but when they asked him to pull the trigger it shot a live round yeah i mean it's it's definitely not baldwin's fault at all because especially on set you have to trust all your crew members like you can't be doing every job at once you just have to ha- have that trust so he probably trusted this armorer that this was a dummy round and everything was safe and fine and this ended up happening right it's a tragedy Um, yeah it's a very upsetting situation and this is going to be a hell of a segue from one upsetting situation to another for many eternals is not doing well (laughs) i didn't feel good about that one (laughs) i didn't feel good about honestly i I told bo this but i find this hilarious that the first ever rotten um rotten tomato score for a marvel movie is this movie directed by oscar winner chloe (laughs) Zhao. it's unreal right like they, they go out of their way to hire someone who's not in the superhero world at all is this big up-and-coming indie artist director thinking they're going to change the game change things around and it ends up getting a rotten tomato score did they did they think they were going to change the game or did they think they were just going to have chloe zhao direct a marvel movie and have her name attached to it and like maybe get some prettier shots in there well i definitely obviously the name recognition is one thing but I remember Feige in the beginning was kind of saying like that we're, we're trying to like change things up, especially with like phase four and everything. But I think they hired Chloe Zhao because she does have a different feel and look from, I don't know, the typical other Marvel movies. And they wanted to like change it up a little bit. But it ended up people, I guess, do not like it or critics at least don't like it. Interesting. When does it come out? Thursday? Is it- there, it's technically Friday, but like the premiere yeah, will yeah, be Thursday. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really uh, curious how this does with audiences. The projection uh, is supposed to be really, really big. Like the the numbers wise, are, it's gonna be really big. Um, I don't know. Yeah, about... I don't. I don't think the the critic score is gonna hurt box office at all. I they... feel like Marvel Marvel fans are gonna go see a Marvel movie no matter what. Yeah, especially I... one that's supposed to be big for the cinematic universe. I think there's an idea around Marvel movies that these movies are hated by critics, which they aren't. They just like aren't loved because they are no, no matter what, how you put it, they're kind of cut and paste storytelling and that's fine. And I enjoy it. And I eat at the Marvel feeding tube, just like everybody else does. I love. Yeah. Like, I'm still going to see this movie. Yeah, I'm not going to, I don't fucking care. Yeah. Um, but I, there's an idea that like, Marvel movies are hated by critics, which they're not. They're just given average scores. And then now one actually is hated by critics. So I think people are going to be like, they don't know shit. This is going to be like a Snyder cut situation where people are going to like really rail against the, the critic response, I think. I think Marvel fans might, but right, I don't know about like general audiences. I mean, like Marvel, like super fans. I mean, There's a lot of those, dude. Have you ever there seen? There are a lot, yeah. Those Twitter Which is why cams. the Snyder Cut came about, because of all those super fans. Those Twitter fan cams are fucking everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
um, but yeah, no, it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting to see how audiences react to this, and if it's not just a critic thing, but it actually is just a mediocre movie. It's 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 just so it's baffling to me that this is going down this way. I'm so confused by it. To me, I just think Chloe Zhao. I mean, I haven't seen it, but I just think Chloe Zhao is not made for the superhero universe. Like she came from indie, small, low budget indie movies. She came from Nomadland, which is like half documentary, half narrative, which is off like a zero budget, very minimal crew, just kind of traveling the world. She did uh, that horse movie. I forget the name of it. I haven't seen it. Um, But yeah, that's also a very low budget indie movie, very limited cast. Um, But yeah, now she's moving on to this huge multi-million dollar, huge cast, all these special effects. Like it's not that it's out of her league that she can't do it, but she's just not used to that. And I think that's just, it's so different from anything Marvel's done. I think it's going to be such a throw off for everyone. Um, Nick, are you into as into the Marvel universe as um, Jacob and I? I mean, I, uh, I, I mean, I, I love watching them. I mean, I'll always watch them. I'll be like, I won't watch it because that's not considered cinema. But like, I, I think they're entertaining. Like, I love. I mean, I have a friend that like has watched like watches them like chronologically. Like, has there's a list and like watches them. Uh, He's like, he's like, you know, you should try this. You, you really need to watch them in order and it'll have a different effect on you. And I'm like, ah, well, I'm like, I don't, that's a lot. There's so many of those movies now. Um, have you seen the majority of them? Um, I, I think I, I haven't seen the, the other new one. Um, Shang-Chi. Yeah. Shang, yeah. I haven't seen that one. I mean, I, I love Thor uh, Ragnarok. Yeah, so that's like that's like my all time favorite. I'll just I'll I'll rewatch that movie. It's a great all one. day. Yeah. Um, and like I, I remember I've I've watched the Avengers. I've I've but it was like a while ago. Like I would need to go back and like restart these Marvel movies because I don't really. And then, like, my friend was telling me, he's like, yeah, like, I saw the trailer in the movie, and, like, this other boss, like, this robot-looking thing is, like, more powerful than Thanos, and I'm like, what are they gonna do? <laughs> like... That's not a robot, but yeah. Okay. Or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the, the huge thing with, like... Was the friend me? This is what I do. No, no. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> um, no, I'm a huge uh, fucking nerd about these things. So, um, So who is that what is that it's like an a- it's like an alien kind of thing yeah. and it's it's a lot to explain i don't yeah that's i'm like i'm so curious so i might yeah i mean I'm it's gonna be it's gonna i think it's gonna look cool as shit yeah um, i mean yeah it's chloe's out her movies look beautiful so i'm looking at it right i'm looking at these reviews right now and everything about it is like it's beautifully shot but it can't shake the cliches of superhero movies. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I thought we were going to get. Like, I don't know why this I mean, is it's, getting bashed so I hard. Mean, it is a superhero movie. Exactly. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. I feel like, I mean, critics aren't really supposed to take this in, but I feel like the hype going into this was that Chloe was going to do something way drastically different. And so that's what critics were kind of expecting going into it. And that's not what they got. And not only is it a superhero movie, it's an origin story, which are, I mean, there's some very good ones. Shang-Chi is a freaking fantastic one. But mm-hmm. the, the origin stories are as paint by the numbers as it can get. Like, 
And also, this is an origin story for what eight new characters, nine something new characters, like or something. Yeah, yeah, a huge amount of characters that she has to do in two hours and thirty minutes. So yeah, there's not that much wiggle room she can really have. It's gonna be oh. an experience. I don't think it's gonna be bad. Like I don't think it'll be bad. I think it'll be all right. We saw a Marvel movie. Yeah, I'm really curious. Um, I'll go see it because it's it's Chloe Zhao. Um, yeah, I'll definitely see it this weekend. Um, mm-hmm. The spoilers are everywhere uh speaking of premieres i unfortunately have not been able to see any of the new shit that came out last week last night in soho and french dispatch came out and those are two movies i've been waiting on and waiting on and i could not go see them jacob i believe you saw last night in soho correct i did and yeah it was a uh i won't spoil it for anyone but it was a great film um Mm -hmm. I, I feel like night. you saw it. Now. Oh, nice. I saw it last um, night. Yeah, that was I my follow up question. All right. You two uh, talk about it. I'm going to take my headphones off. <laughs> no, don't, spoil no, no. don't spoil it. Don't spoil it. Um, the one thing I feel like Edgar has just gotten better and better at is sound design. Like, I think his sound design team, I don't know what they're doing, but they're just like next level compared to everyone else. Like, obviously, Baby Driver was a huge achievement, but they even stepped it up even more with this one like this isn't a spoiler but in certain scenes that happen throughout he turns on like the surround sound so usually it's like a one directional but then for certain scenes he turns it so it's surround sound so you're like you're hearing a lot more and the way he just plays the surround sound in your ears and is looking in different directions was so well done and obviously the visuals are on point the acting was great i thought uh thomas and mckenzie she's gonna be like a huge star soon she's she's a, this is an amazing role for her um but overall, yeah, it's, it's like, an Edgar Wright been, movie. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, what do you think? Done, has she done anything? Um, is this like her breakthrough, like role, like kind of? She, she had Leave No Trace, which was an indie film, but it, it did get a lot of buzz. Um, I think it won some awards. Um, she was a star in that one. Um, what's the other? Oh, Jojo Rabbit. That was her her yeah. big one. She's so good in that movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, oh wow, yeah. Um, and yeah and then this one but this one I thought going into it that Anya Taylor-Joy had a bigger role but Thomason has way bigger role she's basically the lead of this by far Um, so wait we're we're not counting old as Thomason's breakout role (laughs) well is she in it for like 20 minutes right (laughs) I haven't seen it I just saw it on her IMDB and wanted to get off an old joke (laughs) I totally forgot she was in that she's only in it I mean, obviously, everyone knows they they grow on the beach, yeah, so yeah. she's only in it for like twenty minutes, I think. True. I thought you were gonna spoil it for a second. I was like, wait, I can't have a Shyamalan twist spoiled. Um, Honestly, I couldn't even describe the twist. And really, I've heard it's super boring, but I'm still gonna watch it. It's um, very basic, but yeah, it's yeah. it's Shyamalan. I mean, last night in Soho looks badass. I cannot wait yeah, like, to watch it visually. It's incredible. I mean, yeah, like Jacob says, the whole sound brings you back to like that era of the sixties. And Mm -hmm. I mean, like, oh, like I loved it because I always personally, I have this like fantasy of like looking back at different eras and being like, oh, I wish I was born then. And like, Mm -hmm. and like, oh, like going back to just like playlists of a different era and just like escaping to that. So like this movie, like really connected with me, like that, like thematically, I guess that what he was trying to get off there of just like going trying to escape back into an era that you're like oh i wish i, I wish i could just live back then and like her character kind of resonated with me that way um, right 
so yeah i yeah i it's a trip it's a trip it definitely is. It's like an audiovisual experience. Like I, I think he he stepped it up on the visual and audio side. Story wise, there are parts that were a little cliche for me, um, a little boring, especially in the beginning. I didn't love the ending, but overall, there's a big twist that I did not see coming that took me by surprise. So it kept me entertained the whole time. Awesome. I am pumped to see it. Uh, Nick, have you seen French Dispatch? I know Jacob hasn't. And I, I haven't either. No. You big you big Wes Anderson guy. I mean, I, I love, I, yeah, I mean, I'm not like a huge, huge, like fan, but I mean, I, I love his, I love his films. Um, I think he's super unique and it's, they're just hilarious. <laughs> the la- oh, I saw the last Wes Anderson film I saw was Bottle Rocket, which was like his first feature. Yes. And it was so fun. Like, I love that movie. It's so I just great. watched that recently too. Yeah. Great movie. Great. Yeah. Just like I don't know how he writes his. It's just like his his writing ability and just creating these. There's yeah, so that, many. And there's that so many quirky, char- snappy yeah, dialogue that he has. Yeah, and like there's so many characters in this in French Dispatch. Like so many well-known actors. I'm like they're probably in it for like what like five <laughs> one scene and they're probably right. There's just well, I heard the list. movie's a bunch of like little vignettes. I think right. It's yeah, kind of like yeah. an anthology movie yes yeah so yeah that makes sense why it's pretty mm-hmm. stacked but awesome. yeah i'm excited to see it I'll hopefully i'll see it this weekend at some point um, yeah I same cannot wait um outside of new releases uh or even including new releases and uh, has anybody watched any good movies recently besides fargo um yeah nick what have you watched recently check my letterbox <laughs> Dude, <I'm, laughs> the all important letterbox um i can hit some stuff real quick i so since Dune came out, I unfortunately have not seen a ton of new movies. Um, I watched, I've been trying, I've, I, I talked about this last week. I've been watching like DC animated stuff because I am a superhero nerd and those are way better than the live action ones. And I watched the new like Batman long Halloween comic book adaptions. And I thought those were pretty good. And then the mm. other night I watched it follows which is a horror movie i've been wanting to get to for so long and uh, it was aids movie yeah i mean dude there's a lot of ways to look at it like the director said it's not even necessarily like stds it's just like he it was like a cliche horror thing to like have like this demon get passed on I mean, it's pretty obviously STDs. Uh, well, he's. I mean, there's, yeah. obvi- there's obviously there's like deeper meaning to it, but that's the surface layer. That is one thing. Obvious. But he also said the idea for it came from this dream he had. It was a recurring nightmare where he was like standing in one place and this pre- like predator that he like couldn't see but just felt was just like slowly making its way towards him. Mm. And that is a terrifying idea and i would wake up pissing the bed every night if i had that yeah that was a great movie i love the way it was shot um the slow moving camera throughout to make you feel like there's always something watching you the whole time Mm -hmm. Uh, i thought the pool scene was kind of really dumb in some aspects i was just like what's happening yeah i didn't really a little too chaotic i was like this is a weird like this is a weird way to go about this finale um yeah one thing overall great movie one thing that um i noticed in that I've read the nightmare thing a little bit before I started it just because I was trying to like get a little bit I I knew what the movie was about but I didn't know a ton and then uh, this is in the trivia and something I noticed Um, 
he wanted to make it resemble a dream so like a lot of like the cars are like from all over the place time periods like some are 70s some are modern modern some are 80s and then like they have like some of them have normal cell phones some people have flip phones some one girl has like something that looks like a compact like makeup at like oh i never noticed that yeah it looks like a compact makeup thing with like you know they have the makeup on the bottom and the mirror and um but it's like she's reading something on it and that's like her it's weird and it's supposed to feel like a dream which i think it definitely does oh okay yeah interesting that's cool um Um, is that all you watch this week that's that and fargo man i've been lacking braves world series what am i we won i haven't had time take fucking forever I was the same way this weekend. It was Halloween weekend. I was in the Big Apple at my friend's yeah. place for the week. Um, um, didn't have time to watch many movies, but you did watch one movie called uh, In Fabric. It's a A24 movie um, that came out a while ago. You watched about an A24 eight. movie? I did. One that I haven't seen Dude, before. Crazy. What? You never um, it, watch those. <laughs> it was about a haunted dress. So it fits into the uh, A24 cinematic universe very well. Um, but I don't know how I felt about this one. This one was a little out there. I mean, besides it just being a haunted dress, it just goes from like person to person and just like curses them if they wear the dress. The whole thing was just very weird. Uh, I don't know how else to describe it, but weird. I mean, it's definitely A24, but I can see why they didn't market this movie that much because <laughs> it's very out there. So an A24 movie, horror movie, was weird. I don't know how else to describe this, man. It, it was just weird. <laughs> weird vibes. Um, I still got to see The Lamb. <laughs> oh, my God. I need to see it, too. <laughs> yeah. Jacob saw it. Yeah, I loved it, yeah. Um, I, I saw recently, quick side note, A24. I mean, their marketing is incredible. But what they did for lamb was they, I guess they had this little like stuffed animal lamb that they made based on the character in the movie. And you could adopt the lamb. And they did this thing where you can send in like a one minute video you post on social media about why you're the best parent to adopt the lamb. And so they had all these people sending in these like crazy videos of why they're the best parent to adopt a stuffed animal lamb. And this one person won. And now she gets to, uh, I guess, hold on to this lamb for a while. I hate that. <laughs> um, that's creepy as hell. Oh, Nick, man. before we get to what you saw this weekend, um, I want to play a quick game. What was everybody for Halloween? Jacob, go. Very, very basic, but I was a lifeguard. Oh God, you're so boring. yeah, Nick. What were you? Um, I don't know if you've any of you have seen you on Netflix, but yeah, I up as a uh, Joe Goldberg. Oh, it's great. Yeah, yeah. That's it's, it's, like, it's 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 a basic costume too. Just creepy hat. I had like literally no logo, blue baseball cap in my closet, and I'm like, what the hell? And so I like threw it on. I'm like, all right, I'm I'm just gonna be Joe Goldberg, I guess. Um, so yeah. Um, my. <laughs> I might post this on the ABC Twitter, but I'll show you all right now. My girlfriend and I went as Wanda and Vision from the Halloween episode of WandaVision. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Oh, nice. (laughs) Wait, is that you? That's me. I painted my face. (laughs) 
Wow. Yeah, you got to post that. That's that, amazing. That that was the comparison. I feel like we made these. Like you, dude. That's these, incredible. But we made them. That's incredible, man. You did a great job with those. She did a lot of the work. I'm. It was a great job by her. Um, it was awesome. It's really funny. And then we went to the worst Halloween party of all time and nobody appreciated it. And people looked at me weird. Uh, so, yeah. And uh, the face paint, believe it or not, was not very comfortable to leave on for an extended period of time. Well, I loved it and appreciated it. Bo. Thank you. So there's someone. Thank you, Jacob. You're always there for me. All right. <laughs> Nick, movies you watched over the weekend. Hit it. Um, I mean, over the weekend, I like over the week, Jacob's boat. But I, I saw Last Duel in theaters awesome mm-hmm. that, that was the last movie i saw in theaters and then i'm taking a documentary class right now so i've literally just been watching like documentary after documentary i just finished the act of killing which is like brutal it's talking about the indonesian genocide back in like 65 66 um so that was heavy material that's the last thing i watched oh, great. Um, there's like a summer of summer of soul documentary I watched. It's on Hulu. It's really good. Oh yeah, I heard about I've that. I've heard about that. Yeah. Uh, Questlove. They're I've, good. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've heard really good stuff about that. Yeah. Um. So that's pretty much what I. Yeah. The last. Well, the last movie I saw was last night. But then I last night so and then, last duel in Dune. But yeah. Awesome. Um. Does any what 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 uh does everybody want to watch coming out soon or. <sighs> Maybe not even coming out soon, just something on the watch list that you really want to get to soon. I think in theaters, at least this weekend, I'm probably going to see Eternals and uh, French Dispatch. Hopefully it doesn't leave theaters by then. Um, But I also, I might check out Spencer, which is the Princess Diana movie with Kristen Stewart. I heard Kristen Stewart gives like an incredible performance. It'll probably be out for some Oscars. Um, I usually hate royal type movies like this um but one my mom loves them so i'll go see it with her why not oh, that's cute and and two yeah i think it's gonna it's getting a lot of buzz and i think it's gonna be more of a character piece than really focusing on like the royal aspect of it so it's intriguing uh, i'll probably go see it but, yeah i think i'm gonna avoid that one one i don't really care about the royal family but two, yeah i'm just also i'm i'm worn out on biopics i'm done mm. can we move on Let's do something. Fair else. enough. Um, Nick, you got anything on the watch list that you're really intrigued I mean, by? I mean, speaking of the Coen brothers, I want to see the tragedy of Macbeth. Yeah, that's, that's coming. And uh, what's that? Christmas? Yeah. Yes. Ah, so, uh, looks gorgeous too. Black and white. And... I know. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. just, I'm so interested on his take. What he's gonna do with it? So. Um. Denzel and Francis Denzel Washington yeah. and Francis McDermott of Fargo. Uh, we've already hit her a few times today, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I think uh, I'm obvious. I've got to get to the French Dispatch and I've got to get to last night. And so uh, I'm going to go see Eternals this weekend, but I also have to watch Titan. I'm, I'm falling behind. Oh, I st- Titan. Yeah, I need to see that. Um, we both need to see that yeah, immediately. I, I started Incredible. off so hot in the movie world. Um, one thing that I know I'm watching tonight as soon as we finish off this pod, I'm turning on Netflix and I'm watching The Harder They Fall. Oh, uh, that new Netflix Western with a bunch of my favorite people in it. It's got Idris Elba and Zazie Beetz. Um, it was produced by Jay-Z and a bunch of music by Jay-Z. Uh, it's also got 
oh god, what's his name? I already forgot. I forgot it. Uh, Lakeith, Lakeith Stanfield. <laughs> Sorry, Lakeith Stanfield. I love Lakeith Stanfield. Um, and it's also got Damon Waynes Jr. I like him. He's funny. Uh, Jacob, Jacob has a has a. He's a uh, very connected to this movie. He feels a lot about it. Has, has, I don't has, know. Have, have you seen it, Jacob? I don't know if it's no. Positive. I have not okay. seen it, but I have. Yeah, I have very negative feelings toward this movie. Not because of the movie itself, but for other reasons. I told mm-hmm. Bob story, but um. Yeah, this is new for you, Nick. So this was <laughs> last year, I think. Yeah, it was, it was around, actually, yeah, it was last year, probably like November, December, I think. Um, COVID was still bigger around that time, I forget. But my friend was making a short film and it was basically like a, a country Western type film. Mm-hmm. We found a spot in New Mexico, which we we're going to shoot at. And it was like this big ranch, basically, that a lot of Hollywood sets used, but a lot, sorry, a lot of Hollywood execs used for like big movies and stuff. Um, But because it was COVID and there weren't that many productions going on at the time, it was like empty and no one was using it. So the director of that film hit up the owner of this ranch and was just like, Hey, can we're just a bunch of like kids trying to make a movie. Do you think we could use like at least like one portion of this ranch to like shoot our little short film? And this guy was super nice and was like, yeah, of course, you can totally do it. But he said, by the way, while you're here, you can only use like this house and this house, which is totally fine for us, because the rest of the ranch was going to be used by this big movie that Jay-Z was producing with Regina (laughs) King and the Key Stanfield and all these other people. And we're like, oh, that's awesome. Like all these huge stars and celebrities are going to be on this ranch with us while we're shooting our little short film in this little cabin. It's going to be like a dream come true. It's going to be amazing. So we're all like super hyped up. We like did rehearsals. We got our actors, all these props, costumes and everything. And this was like probably we like booked our flights and like all that. And this is probably like a week or a week and a half, two weeks before we were going to go out. Um, the owner of the ranch called us up and he was just like, hey, guys, um, <laughs> Jay-Z kind of changed his mind and he wants to use the exact house that you want to oh. use. He actually wants to like take over the whole ranch. And yeah, that kind of just sticked us. We were, we were super bummed right after that. Um, But also we were in fairness, we were getting like a great deal. Like it was just because of COVID that we were going to be able to use this ranch and for like a super cheap price. Um, But yeah, Jay-Z kind of changed his mind last minute (laughs) and just wanted to use this ranch. I mean, this house on this ranch. So if I don't see this goddamn house in this ranch, <laughs> yeah. if they fucking like cut the scene that they shot <laughs> in, I'm going to be so freaking mad. But I don't even know if I want to watch this film just because yeah. I'm, I'm low-key pissed at all of them. Uh, I, was, I was about to say, do you want to send me a picture of like the building that you wanted or the part that you wanted specifically and then I can watch it and tell you out. whether or not to watch it? <laughs> sure, yeah. I'll, just, I'll see if I can find the, the cabin. Um, but yeah, so low-key, fuck that movie. Yeah. Well, I am pumped. <laughs> Uh, uh i can't wait to watch it nick it looks badass i don't know if you've seen the trailer for it yeah i think actually i don't know if i've seen the trailer for it but i, I literally i um i listened to the soundtrack i think a little bit today on spotify it was mm-hmm. out so i'm like hmm, maybe i'll check out the check it out yes i am i've been waiting for this one for a little bit um so real quick i'm just gonna hit some releases that are coming out in november 
And then uh, we're going to move on to our last segment real quick. Uh, the biggest stuff that's coming out besides Eternals this week is King Richard, the Will Smith movie about Serena and Venus Williams' dad. That's coming out. Well, that's the, next week, right? The 19th. Um, before you move on, there is okay. one other big movie this weekend. Finch with uh, Tom uh, Hanks and his right. dog robot buddy movie. I completely forgot about that one. Probably Which, for no reason. Well, yeah, I thought so too. But the reviews just came out today and they're good. actually not bad. They're like pretty good reviews. Um, apparently this movie, if you are a dog lover, you're going to love this movie. It hits Fuck. you right in the feels, apparently. No. Um, they said it's a, forg- I mean, the consensus from what I read from the critic reviews said that it's a forgettable sci-fi movie, but a great um, buddy uh, dog movie. Basically, just Tom Hanks and his dog going on like an adventure. Well, this is so, this isn't the first time Tom Hanks has done that. True. Um, Turner so Hooch. Yeah. <laughs> so I am low key kind of excited. I think I'm going to watch it. I don't know about this weekend, but I'll definitely check it out. I think it's on Apple. Is this yeah. is this fucking dog robot thing going to make me cry? I mean, Probably. it says it hits you in the feels. Yeah. So, is I mean, it a dog or a robot or a robot dog? What's going on here with this? I think it's both. I there's, think there's a dog and a robot. It's a real dog plus a robot. <laughs> it's that. Oh, <laughs> no, that know. robot is freaking terrifying. I'm looking at some set photo, like some screenshots right now. That is freaking weird. All right. Well, I guess I got to watch Finch now. All right. Well, that's, I mean, it's uh, also Tom Hanks. Like, I feel like any movie that Tom Hanks is in, yeah, he does have some like kind of duds God. here or there, but he's still like great in every role he's in. All right. Well, I didn't like Captain Phillips, so whatever. Um, <laughs> isn't that the one where he, and he's on the pirate? The sh- the pirates get him. Captain Phillips, isn't that what it's called? Captain Phillips. Yeah. Yeah. He's oh, been... it's a robot and a dog like litter okay yeah <laughs> yeah i thought it was like a real dog mixed with a dog robot like i don't know um, we'll find out i guess okay so wait Finch... but you did not like captain phillips no it's not not for me yeah, interesting that's really... a little slow i thought you plus i knew enough. the story pretty well by then like oh, it's mm, yeah I, got, I went into it not knowing anything so it was pretty intriguing for me um all right i'm gonna keep hitting these uh ghostbusters afterlife the 19th give me paul rudd in a ghostbusters uh, movie bill murray's coming back it? let's ride um i think nick's back, with me on that keep bringing back a classic like what just let it be man like let it live you could have said you could say uh, that about, i mean ghostbusters 2 sucked also so um oh my God. uh house of gucci November 24th. That'll be a great one. Ridley Scott. Two, will, he go, will he get two good ones out this year? And then PTA, one of the reasons that we are doing this month's theme, Licorice Pizza, the 26th. Can't wait. I'm yeah. yeah. Nick, how, how do you feel about Paul Thomas Anderson? I mean, I, I love, uh, yeah, Paul Thomas, he's like one of my probably favorite directors working right now. I feel like every movie is just like every aspect, he like never misses. Honestly, what's um, your favorite movie by him? Mine's Licorice Pizza, and I haven't even seen it yet. <laughs> I do love the master. Mm. I love 
last year. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman, that is so great. Um, That's the one you're going with, the master? You need us to vamp for you while you're like getting this out. Uh, I like There Will Be Blood. <laughs> um, yeah. There Will Be Blood is fantastic. Uh, no, it's hard to choose. All those movies it's are very incredible. hard to choose. Yeah, You can make an argument uh, for any of them. I know. Um, I just watched a couple of them for the first time recently. I just watched Heart 8 for the first time recently, and that's oh, one yeah. of the best debut movies I think I've ever seen. I saw that recently, too, for the first time. But And then there's Boogie Nights. It's tough. Yeah. Mm, Marky Mark. Yeah, it looks like we broke Nick. He's like, I'm staring off. I'm just like distance. I'm. Sure I'm like going back. Like I'm like re like rethinking like all these all of his movies right now. This is gonna be the hardest question he gets all day. It really is. There's gonna be no right answer. All right. There's no. Right we'll answer. say the master for now. Yeah. We'll say yeah. the. Let's go. Yes. Philip Seymour. All right. Yes. Incredible. Jacob, I'm going to ask you to fall out of co-hosting mode and go into director mode because I've got a few questions here about your new movie, The Color of You, that I would love to ask the two of you all. Well, yeah, before you get into um, Q&A, go watch the movie. It is on YouTube right now. It is also on Vimeo. If you just search The Color of You short film, it should come up. You can search my name as well, Jacob Rodier. My profile should come up. Um, but yeah, go watch it. Uh, let me know what you think. You can DM me if you want. I'm always curious what people think. Um, but yeah, I worked pretty hard in this movie, so go watch it. And so did Nick as well. Nick's amazing in it. Go watch it. <laughs> um, all right. Are you fellas ready? Hit me. All right. So Jacob, the first question is actually for you. Um, I was going through the credits of this movie and I was noticed it was written by you as well as a guy named Scott Nelson. Uh, is this the first project you all have worked on together? And who is this guy? Who is he? To you? I, noticed yeah. you, I noticed you didn't ask him to come on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know Scott that well, actually. So I a, once I kind of started writing, I realized that I'm a terrible writer and that I have these these big ideas and these like visions, but I can't translate it to paper very well. So I needed to find someone that is a much better writer than me and can do a, a way better job um, translating my thoughts and all that. So I went on the good old Reddit and I think I don't remember what subreddit was. I think it was something to do with screenwriting or um, writing or something like that. And I just kind of like reached out saying like, hey, I have this idea. Um, I need help writing it because I'm not a good writer. Uh, is anyone interested? And so I got a bunch of people. Uh, this guy, he, I don't know, he stuck out to me for some reason. I think he he gave a little like blurb to me, a little paragraph that he wrote um, and stuck with me. And so I was like, yeah, you want to just help me collab and write this? And yeah, he agreed. Um, so yeah, Scott Nelson, he's like 40 years old or actually no, maybe 60 years old um he's like an old guy he like he kind of lives his life and he kind of just writes on the side as like a little like fun gig that he does um he has like an imdb he's done some like kind of uh smaller roles um yeah i'm looking up his imdb right now yeah he's done some other like short films like day zero home for age time travelers a bunch of like small little things um, but yeah, he really helped me out with uh, writing this film and really translated my ideas super well. Um, and yeah, we, we kind of went back and forth on different versions of the script and this is the one we both came up with. 
That is awesome. Um, I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, I shout that out question. Scott. That's a very, very cool story. Um, and a really interesting collaboration pair too. Um, I think, and this, I think a lot of, I, I it, it makes sense to me that it is someone older like that, because I think a lot of like life experience actually really shines through on what comes out in the final. Uh, totally. Um, so you said you came up with the big idea for the story, but couldn't articulate it very well. Where, what inspired you to make this uh, short film? What inspired you to come up with this idea? So I've always been obsessed with uh, black and white and color mediums, but I, I was always curious why I never really saw those two mediums like combined. Like you see like small things like Sin City and like Schindler's List where they have like one color, like red usually. Um, where they 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 have that stick out in like a black and white film and there's like some kind of stuff here and there where maybe it's full-on black and white and full-on color but you don't really see like the mesh the intertwine of them until I saw this movie called Pleasantville which kind of blew my mind when I first saw it um, because it was kind of exactly what I was envisioning Um, which is a great movie if you guys have not seen it it's um, it's kind of like a comedy drama it stars Tobey Maguire um I'm blanking on the other names right now, but it's a, yeah, it's a great film. And they kind of do the same thing that I do in my film where some characters are in color, some objects are in color and this kind of like black and white world. Um, and yeah, I was kind of, I was so obsessed with this movie and kept watching it more and more. And that kind of got me more engrossed into this idea of meshing these two things together. And then I kind of just wanted to create a, a story around that idea that I was passionate about and also, like I've talked about a lot and just kind of the reason why I love movies to begin with is because I love creating like an immersive environment where you just get sucked in the whole time and it doesn't let you go to the end. So I really wanted to create like a like a, a audio, visuals, um, sound, basically whatever I could to like fully immerse yourself into this world. Um, and yeah, that's what, that's what I kind of wanted to be silent. So I kind of wanted the score to be kind of bombastic, the visuals to be kind of um like fantasy like and um yeah so it's really just kind of pleasantville and then also just like all these movies like nolan's movies avatar is a good example just kind of these immersive movies that get you sucked into this world and don't let you go to the end um yeah i definitely that all very much you know shines in that movie the score and the the visuals and the blending the blending of color and black and white um yeah i agree i haven't seen it outside of your short film and pleasantville and it's definitely super interesting visually i was a big fan of it and i'm sure it was not easy to do um so real quick uh before i move on to nick uh who's your biggest inspiration in the film industry jacob not necessarily for this movie just overall like why do you want to make movies sure um i mean yeah kind of what i said in the last answer i mean yeah that's why i i love nolan i love denis villeneuve i love these people i love spielberg all these people who have like huge big ideas and translate them like so well to screen where you're just like fully immersed in them at all times um just creating that sense of like awe and wonder through like through story through music through visuals um and yeah it's just like i i love just creating worlds where you just get lost in um 
and you kind of forget about the real world for a second but yeah it's really easy to get entranced in this uh in this short film that she put out um so nick what was it like working with Jacob behind the camera and how mean is he on set? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, Jacob's awesome, man. Like his vision from the start and we really got the, well, I mean, we worked on um society, society of funded sharing. Um, yeah. We worked on a few other short films before this one together. Oh, so yeah, we've, okay. yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we think uh, we had like a little sit down talk where we talked about scripts and, his vision, what I thought of it. And, um, I mean, I was automatic. I automatically latched onto his idea because of it not being, I mean, there's only one line of dialogue, which I thought was super interesting. And I've always admired actors that could carry on throughout a film without much dialogue and just reflecting their feelings and the circumstances through their, through their eyes or through I mean, perfect example is like, I love Drive's one of my favorite movies just because Ryan Gosling nails it with barely any dialogue. Um, and so like that aspect and I mean, I'm, I, I love the outdoors. There was like a nature aspect to it mixed with technology that I, I, that I think is even more potent that during COVID, I think we really got a sense of I don't know, like making this film during COVID was intense because I think we were like really going through that, that like period of technology and being just in your room and latched to your phone and like how important the outdoors was in that, in that aspect. And I think we see a lot of that in the movie kind of branching out. Um, so yeah, it, like over, I mean, creating it over COVID was like, very powerful like process because i think like i was going through like the same thing almost um mm. that he was sort of going through yeah i didn't even think about the the COVID yeah. aspect of it but yeah it's very prevalent well if anybody yeah. asks pretend like you did um <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah. that kind of covered my next question which was what drew you to want to do this movie um so did you have any input on like decisions for your character like how much did you really get to <clears throat> decide um how you're going to play this character did you stick to the script and what was written i mean i mean I, jacob would remind me of the circumstances a lot which was great because sometimes uh, like a script that's mostly action-based it can be confusing sometimes Mm -hmm. um which is why i blocked off like chunks here and there and would just focus on chunks um to help my process but it was it was, like, it was there was a lot of freedom i mean we we talked a lot and just yeah narrowed down, narrowed down what he was what he was what was happening in the moment i think it was just staying in the moment which is what it all boiled down to um, yeah i think it was a lot of staying in the moment but also because there was there's no dialogue so I could only give him so much, um, I don't know, just like action to, to focus on and environment to focus on that I kind of, yeah, I kind of left it up to his interpretation of how he kind of felt the scene was. And I think throughout the film, it is this character Ash, but it also is kind of like a blend of you as well, I think. Um, it was like yeah, it was, it was like a, a good mix of you kind of improvising and mm -hmm. following along with yeah. the script. Mm -hmm. 
I asked that question for Nick and Jacob jumped in. So that tells me a lot about how that actually went on set. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think we had, uh, we had great collaboration. Yeah, I'm yeah. kidding. Um, all right, Nick, who is your biggest inspiration in the film industry? Oh, what makes God. you want to be in front of a camera like that? So many big questions. First, the PTA question, now this question. <laughs> who, um, who, what actor do you like, man? Come on. <laughs> I mean, I, like i like everybody man like there's nobody <laughs> really like honestly everybody's brings their like i mean nicholas I think, I think i think ryan gosling's one of like the most versatile actors in the biz honestly right now i agree um, with that um so i really look up to I, I admire him um i guess like i mean I mean, I guess this is just, these are just random people. I I love one of my favorite one of my favorite acting performances is um, David Thewlis uh, in Naked, Mike mm. Lee film. I think it's the best acting performance I've ever seen. Um, I don't know, like any like, I don't know. I don't like not like <laughs> not like anybody because they're just I don't know. I said Nicholas Cage because Nick does look a lot like Nicholas yeah. Cage. That's what he gets Nicolas all the time. Yeah. We're, we're at a film festival the other yeah. day. And this person came up. He's like, you look a lot like Nick Cage. <laughs> also, Adam Driver, too. Yeah, look up a picture of uh, Nick Liberto and tell us what you think. Yeah. I'll do a side by side on the Twitter. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> along with my vision costume. Um, <laughs> all right, so y'all shot this in COVID. How long did the shoot actually go for? Uh, um, so we started production in late 2019. Wow. That's crazy to think about. Yeah. Late 2019 when we were both in college. Um, and then we, we, we shot kind of like only on weekends or some weekends because we we're in college. We had school during the week. Um, broken up into little chunks here and there. And then yeah, then COVID really hit like in March 2020 and that kind of stopped production altogether. Um, and that kind of sucked. We had a little bit of a down period where we didn't, or at least I didn't know what we were going to do because a lot of locations that we were going to use, we couldn't use anymore. A lot. I had actually had like a lot more scenes with a ton of extras. Like I had a classroom full of people. Um, the scene with the road, um, with Nick walking in the road, I had that whole road filled with people. Um, I had a lot more like extras and other characters in this film that I kind of just had to get rid of because of COVID. Um, so we had like a little bit of, of, of a spacing period where I just, I kind of had no idea what I was going to do if we we're going to continue this. But luckily I was able to like rework the script a little bit, um, figure out locations, find some new spots. We still were able luckily to hold on to our equipment. Um, and then we kind of picked it back up in summer of 2020 and finish it up within that summer i imagine you know as an actor and that that's got to be a little stressful i'm sure it's terrible from the writing and directing portion but as an actor it can't be easy to you know jump in and out of a shoot like that i mean i mean when he said we were going back to it i was ecstatic like i was super psyched for that I mean, mm -hmm. but i mean at the time i was like i was like this is pandemic's nothing like we've ever seen before so i'm like it, it's understandable <laughs> like right yeah so but like uh yeah 
I was, <laughs> I mean, I was worried about the shoe, but at the same time, I was like worried about the, <laughs> the world at that point. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> we have bigger problems um, going on. <laughs> but like when he, when, when stuff started to settle down, we got back to it and we had a location and this new idea and rewriting. And I was like, oh, that's like sick. Like, yes, like getting back to it. I was just great, grateful we got the, got to pick it back up, honestly. That's awesome. Yeah. And I really think, I mean, who knows, but I really think though we working, I did kind of help the script with, especially with like the less people because. I definitely wanted to emphasize in the beginning, like how alone everyone was and kind of uh, spatial and by themselves they were. So I feel like having a lot of people in the scene would have taken away from that. So um, I'm kind of glad it, it turned out the way it did with him just kind of being solo in all these scenes. It kind of emphasizes the loneliness of it. Right, I, it, I think that ended up working out for the better because it came out really, really good. Um, so, I mean, the the short film is more high definition than my actual eyeballs um, <laughs> what did you shoot it on jacob uh we shot it on this camera called the red scarlet um red cinema cameras they're they're pretty known in the industry a lot of people a lot of big ones used it we luckily had one at the college we were at yukon um they just got one and we were able to use it as soon as they got it um and yeah they were very very um or i was very very grateful that they let me keep it throughout the pandemic and let me shoot with it <laughs> no not actually I keep thought, it. I, I thought you were gonna say they let me I keep it. no it's a thirty thousand dollar camera i was about to so. say it sounds like a pretty nice camera wow <laughs> i tried but uh, there was uh, no shot that was happening um but yeah i'm let, i'm grateful they let me keep it throughout the the pandemic and let me finish my film because otherwise I don't know what I would have done. But yeah, it's in 4K. So that's what I really wanted that to kind of, again, for that immersive aspect to really get you locked in. It looks fantastic. Um, so outside of COVID um, and the obvious restrictions caused by that, what would you say the most challenging part of this movie was for both of y'all? Hmm. Nick, you want to go first? Um... Was it Jacob? You can say it's, it's Jacob. Uh, I mean, ch challenging aspect would probably be, <clears throat> I mean, I'd say what was new, what was new during the shoot was the choreography with the study cam. So that was a little mm -hmm. um, intimidating at first because I'm like, I don't want it to take me out of my scene, but I also need to be at a certain place at a certain time, hit my marks. So sometimes I was just thinking too much and kind of getting out of the moment sometimes so i'd like draw back in and just trust myself and i'll nail the mark i'll but i, I love the whole felt like a dance the way um steady cam worked and all that and it was cool to experience because i've never done a project with a steady cam or any any of that so that was the challenging but also like cool to learn about it um yeah that's awesome. Yeah, a, a steady cam for people who don't know is just what a it's like a, a gimbal, basically what the camera goes on to keep it smooth um, when a lot of those moving shots. Um, but yeah, it definitely was that was tricky for for me and my cinematographer Dan as well because we kind of had to, like you said, it's like a dance. You got to choreograph it, so you got to the the camera is like moving with the actors throughout it, and we're doing a lot of like three sixty shots, 
um, like a lot of circling, a lot of movement. So you really got to like hit your mark at the right time in order to get that, that flow down. Um, so that was definitely a challenging aspect. But for me personally, I also edited this movie and I'd say the VFX part of it, like getting um, Scarlet and color was, was very challenging. Um, it took a lot of patience because I had to do this thing called rotoscoping, which is basically masking out her character frame by frame. Um, there were a lot of frames. I think in total, there was over 6,500 frames that I had to rotoscope. Um, but yeah, it took me a lot. Thankfully, uh, shout out Adobe After Effects. They, they helped me <laughs> a lot with that. Um, but yeah, it, was, it took a lot of patience. Um, it was very challenging throughout, but it was worth it. Um, cause I was reading on Pleasantville, they basically did the same thing, but they had like a hundred person VFX team working on it, like around the clock. And for this one, it was just me and my, my shitty MacBook. So we got through it though. Um, I've, you know, I've seen this movie two or three times cause I got to see it, um, before it came out cause Jacob's a good friend and wanted to show it to me. And <laughs> so, um, every time I've watched it, uh, I've just always thought that i thought that would be your answer to this question because i mean uh, looking at everything having to be colored either super vividly or gray like i'm just looking at it I'm like that's hard as shit that's why i write about and talk about movies and not make them like i can't do that um, yeah and the thing is like i was gonna like plan more while shooting so that like maybe i would use a green screen or maybe some shots would be more static and still so it'd be less movement easier for me to do an editing but all those things were just like things that would bring down the film. And there was no other reason for, for me to do that besides it making it easier for myself later on in post. So I decided to kind of just do exactly what I wanted to while filming and then just deal with it later, which is actually what I read Pleasantville did the same thing. They were kind of just like, fuck it, we're just going to shoot and do whatever we want and we'll figure it out later in post, which is not what you're supposed to do. This is a saying called, we'll fix it in post, which is what like every director says when you're on set when you like can't figure out what to do um but ended up working out for us yeah that's awesome um all right so do either of y'all have any upcoming projects that you would want to share about um maybe not that's come out yet but stuff that you might starting be starting work on whether it's in movies or anything else um for me i don't know i'm writing a few stuff right now a couple short films um but I'm not, I'm not set on anything right now. So I'm kind of just exploring and seeing what I come up with. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I mean, I'm taking a film writing class this semester, which is going all, all right, I guess. Um, but I mean, I'm just, I've been writing more, kind of want to branch off and kind of start making some films. Um, so I'm just kind of like thinking about gear wise and, what I need to, what I need to, how to step off into that branch. But all in all, it's just, I gotta, I just gotta freaking do it. Like mm -hmm. you just gotta do it. Um, so it's just finding the time and, and all that with school. And I mean, school's, I mean, I'm cold. <laughs> I want to get out of school. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I want to, it's a lot of time. Just that school takes away from you. So yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One thing we could say was a previous project that we worked on before this called Poker Night, which oh, was directed yeah. by uh, my friend Carly Zaleski and that I assistant directed. Nick also was in as well as the side character. 
that should be coming out in December. Um, we had to go through like festival season. It got delayed, like my film did a bunch of times. Um, but yeah, that film is coming out, I think, in December. She's planning on releasing it, which we both uh, had a role in. I thought you were about to say you acted in it, and I was like, oh, fuck, I want to see that. <laughs> I don't know. I am in the color review three times, though. Yeah. I did notice that. Um, little cameos here and there. Love that. Yeah. Love that. All right. Well, uh, Jacob, Nick, go ahead and plug the movie one more time before we move on to Fargo. You want to plug it again or no? That's I said. Put, did, go, go go see it. Somebody say it. Say something. Do a watch pitch. it on YouTube. The color YouTube of you. Video. You can't say it enough. I hate like, you comment, subscribe. Like, I, comment, I hate promoting my own shit. Jake. Well, guess what? It's part of the job. Go watch it. It's good. Yeah, I promise you. Right, fuck you guys. We're gonna take a break. <laughs> It's Bo here to tell you about our sponsor, Album Book Club. It is a book club, but, you know, for albums. And uh, they have weekly picks that they put out on their Twitter, at Album Book Club 1. And they uh, have curators that choose picks week by week. Uh, it can range from hip-hop to bluegrass to death metal to indie to pop. It's all over the place. Uh, it's a great way to discover new music. I've been following them and working with them for quite some time. They also put out their magazines on albumbookclub.com. They just put out an issue with Osar and Paris Price. Uh, they have great merch over there. It's all great looking stuff. Um, definitely check them out. Give the Twitter a follow. Give the page um, a look. It's great stuff. You're not going to be disappointed. Good way to discover music. Let's get back to the movie. And welcome back. We just finished up our interview for The Color of You. And now we are here to talk about Fargo. The, we're doing a little director battle, if you haven't heard. We're doing uh, two Coen brother movies. And then two Paul Thomas Anderson movies, because PTA has a new movie coming out. And we also need an excuse to talk about the Coen brothers. And so we thought... Oh, Yeah. <laughs> We thought we were going to uh, just pit them against each other. And we started off with uh, P Fargo winning this first poll. Uh, if you can't tell by Jacob's accent, um, they say that <laughs> a lot in, these mo in this movie. And we're going to say it a lot throughout the pod. Uh, Jacob, do you want to tell us uh, a little bit about this movie? Oh, yeah, sure, Bo. <laughs> 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 no, we cannot do this the whole yeah. time. So I'm not going to, um, <laughs> but fun fact, the word yeah in whatever uh, abbreviation it was said in was said over 200 times in this movie. I can tell. <laughs> um, but yeah, Fargo, which is directed by the Coen brothers, Joel and Ethan Coen, and written by them as well, um, is about a Minnesota car salesman named Jerry Lundegaard. Um, when an inept crime falls apart due to his and his henchmen's bungling and persistent police work of the quite pregnant Marge Gunderson. Um, yeah, this movie stars William H. Macy, Francis McDormand, Steve Buscemi, um, 
Peter Stomare, I think you pronounce his name. Stomare, yeah. Um, yeah, those are the uh, the big four, really. Um, but yeah. All right. Um, the movie was very well received. Um, the Cohen Cohen brother movies usually are. Uh, at the time, Siskel and Ebert were obviously still doing their show, and one. Um, they were screening it, they were watching it together, and Gene Siskel leaned over to fellow critic and co-host Roger Ebert and said with a smile, this is why we love movies. And then Siskel and Ebert went on to name it the best film of 1996. So pretty high praise there, considering um, they had one of the most watched movie programs of all time, and people would literally, box office would live and die by their reviews. And I'm glad we are watching it as we are now, because it's the 25th anniversary. It is, yes, it is. Um, and it's crazy. This movie was 25 years ago. Yeah, God. <laughs> Jacob, I know this was not your first time watching it. Nick, was it your first time watching it? No, this is like probably my third time. Okay, well, so. fuck, fuck me. It's my first time. Um, I oh, just, yeah. I, I love the. <laughs> I'm gonna laugh every time you do that. It's gonna make me seem really unprofessional. I love the Coen Brothers. Um. But I never got, I could never get around to this one. It's always streaming somewhere. I watched it on Hulu this time. Um, I feel like I had started it before and then like something came up and I had to, I, I had to turn it off. Um, I loved it. I mean, I see why it's as well known as it is. Um, I, it, ooh, I had this uh, later, but I, I want to actually go ahead and do it now. Is this the moment when the Coen brothers become household names? Because they had some movies that were big before, but I don't know if they were this level of praise. What movies were before this one for them? Um, Raising Arizona was okay. a really big one. They also had one called Blood Simple, but not as, I don't think that oh, was Blood as big. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then oh, Miller's Blood Crossing. Simple. What? What? You have Blood Simple takes? What's a Blood Simple yeah, take? Yeah, no, I, just, I saw, I just recently watched that. It's, it's pretty incredible for their like, first feature. Yeah. Um, after Raising Arizona, they did Miller's Crossing. They did Barton Fink, which was pretty well received as well. And then the Hudsucker Proxy. Mm. Well, yeah, I, I don't, I haven't seen the previous films that you just mentioned. So I really don't know, but I feel like this movie is very accessible to a lot of people. It's mm -hmm. funny. It's intense. Um, it has a little bit of a feel good uh, feel to it. Well, uh, it's, it's wholesome. It's bizarre. It, it hooks you. Um, so yeah, it kind of has a lot of stuff going for it. Um, in terms of just just straight up box office, um, Raising Arizona was definitely, I think it was their first hit. It did, uh, I lost the numbers. It did 29 million worldwide and 22 million in the US. And, you know, it came out in 1987. So really good numbers. But uh, their following movies after that, The Hudsucker Proxy only did 2 million uh, in the US and worldwide because it stayed in the US. It did, and then uh, Barton Fink, another just U.S. release, and it did six million. So, they huge dip after raising Arizona <laughs> box office wise. Um, and then Fargo comes out, and it makes sixty million worldwide, twenty four million in the U.S. I think, 
uh, either Big Lebowski came right after it too. It one of those two movies was the one that ha- did it right. Like it has to be one of those two. Yeah, I mean, definitely, if not this one, Big Lebowski. They had, that was Far- huge. They had Fargo in '96, and then Lebowski in '98, and then Oh Brother, Where Out, Where Art Thou in 2000. That's a fucking awesome four year run. Are you kidding me? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you betcha. I mean, look, their IMDb also just I forget every time I look at it. It's just unreal. Yeah, they have a great resume. It's, and what I like what I like about this film a lot is that you're kind of getting like the best. It's like the best of the Coen brothers in this film. Right. Like you're getting that like dark and violent um action from like no country but you're also getting that like dumb and hilarious comedy from like oh brother where art thou so it's kind of like a good blend of like everything they're kind of going for in one um a lot of the comedy i feel like i can also see the roots of like burn after reading too Mm, yeah which comparison a lot of people have a lot of how many movies they made like i'm (laughs) it's insane um yeah this is completely off topic, but I'm just looking at the IMDb. Has anybody seen The Ballad of Buster Scruggs? I have not. Yeah, I, have. I have. God damn it. I'm lacking in the Coen brothers, apparently. I liked like three out of the five, I think. Yeah, well, it's, like, short it's like, yeah. It's an or anthology. What, it's, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, I still haven't what, seen Inside Llewellyn Davis either. That is my favorite yeah. Coen brother film. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Need to rewatch that. Damn. Well, yeah, Jacob, I love that film. Well, you haven't seen Hail Caesar, so how do you know that? All right. Um, <laughs> Out of the ones I've seen, yeah, I've not seen Hail Caesar yet. Hail Caesar's good, man. It's a good movie. Um, but then again, anything that like is a tribute to '60s cinema, I'm just like, give it to me. I mm. love it. Yeah, um, I'll get around to it. Nick, should I ask you your favorite Coen Brother movie, or will that break you like PTA bro? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> You're killing me, man. Absolutely killing These me. are the hard-hitting questions the people need I'm to like, know. I'm going through like all their movies right now. I can to... I can see you scrolling. See the IMDb. Sweat, <laughs> like the one drop of sweat dripping off my forehead. Oh my god. I'm a big O brother, where art thou truther? It's a great film. I love George Clooney in that film. He's great. Um it's awesome. yeah go in go back to this film i yeah, think thank you <laughs> francis uh francis mcdormand and william h macy give unreal performances i mean holy they're just shit. like they're over the top accents um they're hilarious dialogue which props to the coen brothers for writing that but they gave yeah knockout performances the whole time during this um i'll sprinkle in a little accent uh trivia nugget here the actors used a book called How to Talk Minnesotan to help with their accents. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, geez. Um, but I, that's another thing that I think plays into this movie so well. So, like, the Coen brothers are from Minnesota. And so, obviously, they're super familiar with these accents. Um, they're from Minneapolis. And they used it perfectly, like... They played it for a joke a bunch, but they also like, this is the way these people from there really talk. So it's like a shout out and also poking fun at it. And also a really good way to make sure that this movie is going to get remembered no matter what. I think it was a little bit over the top. I don't think 
They really yeah. sound like that. Uh, but like I said, yeah, well, yeah. I don't know. But, I've never been there, so. I, yeah, neither have I, but I really think, I think they exaggerated it a little bit. Like I said, they played it over the top. I said they exaggerated. Like, I was like, oh, oh, okay. I, Sorry. I was like, I'm not listening they, to anything. So. I said they played. <laughs> that's that's typical. I said they played it for a joke. Um, uh, I said they obviously played it for a joke, but it's a good way. It's a good like shout out to the hometown, I think, in the home state. But just also, if if, if for anything, people would have remembered it as oh that funny talking movie, the movie mm-hmm. where people talk funny. Um, it, it was yeah, it, it worked perfectly for them um you william h you. macy jesus christ you're really throwing grenades at me right now <laughs> uh william h macy i i talked a lot about how i loved him uh for the room podcast but like he wasn't in that movie a lot and now i get to just lay out and do my william h macy show i love him so much he's i think he's a fantastic actor and super underrated um he so for the Big 20, PTA guy too. Yes, huge PTA guy. For the 20 year anniversary, um, they asked him some questions. Like they did an oral history. They always do oral histories for these uh, iconic movies or at these anniversaries. I wouldn't be surprised if we get one this year. And so he, the Coen brothers asked him to read for this role. They actually had him read for the deputy first. And they said, that's good. Do you want to read for Jerry? And so he said, yeah, I do. And he read over the lines and then he read them and they said, all right, come in and do it tomorrow. And um, he said that he learned the entire script and he worked it and he worked it, and he worked it. And then the Coen brothers go to New York to do more auditions. And he said he got on a plane and flew out there and said, I want to read again because I'm scared you're going to screw this up and hire somebody else. Like <laughs> he said, this is my role. I want this. He said wow. you could he says you can't play that card too often as an actor. Sometimes it blows in your face, but I said I wanted it. I mean, yeah, I can't see anyone else really pulling off this role but him. Nope. Um it's a hard it's a hard role to do. Nick, you think you could do this? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I can. <laughs> yeah, you answer that oh, question. Oh yeah, Nick. You we answer that it, question, yeah? yes. <laughs> um you never don't put yourself down nick yeah you never you never know who's listening um the hardest part about it and this is something that he says it's an entertainment weekly oral history um it's super interesting they also talk about the wood chipper which we can get to in a minute (laughs) but he said he they were trying to like he was trying he said he was trying to figure out this role like he literally was saying what is it because it on paper it looks like some asshole who's an idiot and is willing to like give up his wife to make all this money. But he said the way he ended up playing it is that like, he's actually just a genuine family man. And he has this idea that he thinks in the long run will pay off for him and his family. And he, the prejudice, he just feels like prejudiced and not actually stupid. That all comes from like the father-in-law and he's tired of being put down. So he comes up with the solid plan and he, thinks it's a good idea and so William H. Macy is like he's not a bad guy he just he didn't think it through all the way um and he said friends would come up to him and go what a jerk you were in that movie but I was horrified with myself I was rooting for you which the whole time I was like 
it's like when I'm watching Heat and I'm like cheering for the, them to get away in the heist. But like the whole time I'm like, I'm like, yeah, you got this. You can get out of this. You got Oh, oh no. Oh God, he fucked it up. Oh, never mind. Catch him. Get him. Like I don't know end. if I was rooting for him this movie. Not like but... okay. Go. No, I know what you mean, but I I feel like I, yeah, I wasn't rooting for him, but I liked that every character kind of got what was coming to them. Right. Like his character um, arrested at the end. The the two criminals died or got arrested. Um, the yeah, the cop yeah found solved the crime. The only the only person who really didn't was the wife who ended up dying at the end. William H. Macy's wife, because she was kind of innocent the whole time. Right. Um, but besides her, yeah, everyone kind of got what was coming to them. So it was a very like satisfying ending. It was a very nice conclusion. Tied a little bow. Nick, how'd you feel about the performance? Did you cheer him on? Like I, I wasn't cheering him on, but I was like, you, you can get out of this one, man. I was like, you got this. I mean, yeah, I think the the whole the whole relationship with the father-in-law um, kind of made me root for him, I guess, a little bit. Um, right. But I kind of I could see where it was where it was probably gonna head with I mean, everything was just fall falling like a domino effect of I mean, especially when he was talking to Marge at the car dealership, that scene was so cringy. I'm like, yeah. dude, what are you doing? And especially you when you're introduced, this. yeah, and when you're introduced to like the two, uh, the two like hitmen, like you like just the way they, they don't really know what they're doing. Like, no. they aren't. They aren't. They're so opposite, which I think is hilarious. Yeah, very unprofessional. All their, all their yeah, very unprofessional. All their interactions are just. I'm just dying of laughter because they're two total opposites um that's so yeah, Steve Buscemi I, I, guy he's a funny looking yeah, man huh funny looking man I was like ah oh, I was like ah oh, that's a low blow like yeah. right, like we but all know it you don't need to say it out loud like I'm on. curious do you guys think the Coen brothers had Buscemi in mind while they're writing they that character I read somewhere that they did Okay, because yeah, I feel like, like that's, yeah, that's that's a blow. To, like okay, like I, they're doing a casting call. We're looking for a yeah. funny looking man. I found that immediately. The role of Carl Showalter was written specifically for Steve Buscemi. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it had to be for yeah. for it being that uh, I don't yeah. know. It's like funny looking, kind of making fun of him the whole time. But it's obviously like a, an inside joke with inside them. Joke. Um, God, it's a funny looking guy. This was a hell of an era for Buscemi too, in like these crime type movies. Um, before he just became like an Adam Sandler, you know, mainstay. Um, he had done Billy Madison by then, but um, you know, he's doing Fargo around this time, Reservoir Dogs around this time. He was in um, a John Carpenter movie, Escape from L.A. He was in um, The Big Lebowski. I mean, he was getting some roles, man. Now yeah. he's, he was, oh, I forgot he was in Armageddon. The 90s were a good time to yeah. be Steve Buscemi. Well, actually, he recently did this miniseries called Horace and Pete, where he's the mm-hmm. uh, main character, and he was incredible in that. It was uh, directed by Louis C.K., who is uh, not that, not that um, praised right now, but still a, a fantastic series. I think it's on Hulu um, with Steve Buscemi. Um, I'm forgetting the other guy's name, but Steve Buscemi is incredible in that. I highly recommend it. He's also doing um, that show Miracle Worker. Oh my lord, what just happened there? Miracle Workers with uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Mm. Pretty good. 
Really funny show. He's also good in The King of Staten Island. I think that movie gets a little... Oh, I forgot yeah. he was in that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's yeah. good in that movie. He's really funny. He's he's a really good mix, I think, of like funny, but if he's doing something a little bit more serious, like playing a firefighter or like, you know, being in this in these type of crime movies, like I kind of buy it. He he can look you know, like a little skeevier. You know? Yeah, and Horace and Pete, he plays it's a dark comedy, but he plays a very, very serious role and it gets super serious at the end. It turns into a drama and he is, yeah, he's incredible in that. Um, I just looked it up, by the way. It's Alan Alda, who is the other actor I was thinking about. And oh. Louis C.K. stars in it and Jessica Lang, Lang is in it as well. Alan Alda. Yeah. A legend. Yeah. Mash. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> A lot of a lot of accents we're doing here. Um, <laughs> Peter Stormare, is there a more perfect like we're gonna have like this foreign like thug guy in a movie? It's like the cigarette hanging gets me every time. He... Just the cigarette hanging out when he, at the end when they're eat, when he's eating the frozen meal, <laughs> the frozen tray, and the wife is dead on the ground. <laughs> like yeah. it's so, so it's uh, well it's, so that, it's weird. It's, and then that, the wood chipper. The wood chipper. Um, all right, hang on here. Uh, I was a little. I, I didn't know about the wood chipper. I didn't know about it, and I was like, "What the hell is going on?" Yeah. He puts. You see Steve, a pool of blood. He puts Steve Buscemi in the wood chipper. Um, His leg poking out. So Entertainment Weekly also <laughs> covered the wood chipper. Um, they went and bought a wood chipper, and they had to like change the branding on it because um what company would want somebody to be chopped up in a wood chipper <laughs> hey honestly like, i would buy that wood chipper you know it can fucking chop bones yeah well it has some it has, it has some trouble with the leg at the end but um so he said there's there's a chipper brand called the wood chuck wood chuck so they painted over it and called it the eager beaver <laughs> um they pretty much knew that they could only get one take with it so they like did a practice day and the wood chipper like wasn't really working so Stormare said that the brothers didn't freak out they weren't didn't scream at anybody or anything they just said you better have it working tomorrow we can shoot something else today but tomorrow it better be working and they came back the next day and it worked perfectly fine I feel well, like I'm glad it did this is a weird weird sorry weird weird like shout right here <laughs> storm air saying it like that pictures me the cohen brothers like saying this in unison <laughs> yeah they talk in unison only while they're I, on set well i feel like i can't picture them like apart from each other so like i wouldn't be shocked if they had like a shared brain yeah they finish each other's sentences <laughs> no they just say them at the exact same time um at the in this interview storm air has to clarify Bushimi was not in the wood chipper. <laughs> oh, really? I thought he was. He oh. said, well, as many people think, I think people thought it was like a hollowed out machine and they had Bushimi sticking his leg up. What? <laughs> it was a, he clarifies, it was a prop leg, a prosthetic. They asked me, and then he goes, they asked me, they asked, good God, 
They asked me to push the leg down with my hand. I remember this vividly because I'm a country boy. I said, I can't push it down with my hand unless I'm a moron. So he picked up the piece of firewood and was like, I'll use this to push it down. Mm. And I can throw it at Francis McDermott. And apparently it was supposed to hit her and knock her out. It says like, really? I can push it down with my, or I could use this as a weapon when she draws her gun. Maybe I can knock her out with it. And they said, how do you mean? He said, I'll throw it. They said, okay, let's try it. And he said, I pushed it down with my fire log. When she comes, I throw it at her. I missed her and she ducked, which was kind of cooler. And it was a single take. And they were like, let's use that. Hmm. Well, one thing I love about that scene, besides the witch of her, is Frances McDormand's performance. I love when she's walking up and she's kind of in complete shock of what she's seeing. because She had no idea. Right. And she, she plays it so calm. And I love how when she's pointing the gun at him and he's just staring back, just like, what's happening right now? And, and she just points to her police. She's like, look, I'm police. police. <laughs> yeah. Put your hands up. Yeah. She's just like a complete shock. And she kind of plays it really calm. Um, yeah. I thought that scene was great. But overall, with Frances McDormand's character, I, I love that early on we kind of like establish that she's like this intelligent character mm -hmm. and leader um because you kind of got the funny accents and all the other dumb characters we just met before then you kind of think she's going to play into that role but she's actually not just kind of like the opposite um especially with that scene when she's in the police car with her uh associate i guess and he thinks the uh the license plate is dlr and she's like i'm not i'm not 100 sure i agree with you on that one there lou uh i think the vehicles probably had a uh, dealer plates and then yeah after that you kind of just like realize that she's like she's smart she's competent she's a leader she knows what she's doing um and yeah that's and another thing about this movie is like with the accent that they they all have like especially on francis mcdermott the way she says everything is so freaking casual like mm -hmm. she walks up to the deputy and he's like Ah, uh, triple homicide. And this is supposed to be like a small town in Minnesota. And she's just like, oh, dear, let me have a look at it. And I'm like, what is fucking happening over here? Like, what are we doing? When she bends down and his husband's like, what are you doing? You're like, I think I'm going to barf. And she yeah. goes, well, that just passed. And then keeps going on her day. <laughs> it's wild. Um, it's. It, I, yeah, her character is just so calm thank you. throughout the entire thing. <laughs> she's very also, leveled. She also seems so like. I don't know. I don't want to say powerless, but like, like she wouldn't really actually like, I don't know, get anything done. Cause like, I mean, the whole time it's, Oh yeah. Oh, you got Arby's fun. That's sweet of you. Like, you know, like also Arby's, what the hell are we doing? By Minnesota? the way, Marge and her husband are some of the most like wholesome couples ever. Oh, in a oh movie. my God. Yeah. yeah. They're so, so pure. Oh, I know. Like they're snuggling so in bed together. So sweet. Oh, let me make your breakfast, so, hon. So Can't so leave without breakfast. Proud of you. Oh, what a good shout! Yeah. I love that so shot. Nice. I love that oh. shot too. When uh, Francis McDormand's leaving the house, and you can see him eating breakfast, yeah. and her walking out, and it just holds on that shot when she walks yeah. back in. Very great. How's the art, hun? <laughs> um, speaking of, I, I'm going to get in here real quick with a John Carroll Lynch shout out. Played played the husband. I love mm. him. Zodiac. <laughs> Arthur Lay Allen and the founder. He was a he was a McDonald in the founder. He's great. Do you guys think Francis McDormand and Joel Cohen at no. their actual home talk oh, in that accent? God, they talk to each other like that. Oh yeah. Oh god. No, I hope. Well, let's go out to dinner, huh? <laughs> oh, you betcha. Where are we going tonight? Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah. Man. We went to the bus they got to do that once every, the, like, <laughs> once every few years. They pull that out when they're yeah. uh, having their little dates. Um, <laughs> this is ins- I'm just looking at like the quotes right now. They're, the quick hitting of it is insane. This is Norman Marge, and it's like they announced it. They announced it? Yeah. So, three cent stamp. You're Mallard? Yeah. Oh, that's terrific. It's just a three cent stamp. It's terrific. Like, what the hell are we doing? Uh, You can see how happy they are with each other. It's it's amazing. uh, I know. Um, Francis McDermott. Okay. Something that in the movie, I was just like, which really speaks for William H. Macy and Francis McDermott's performances. When the second time she comes back to the police station um, and everything's gone to shit and Jerry Lundegaard is freaking out, she's just asking him like a pretty normal question and she's not trying to intimidate him at all, but he, William H. Macy is obviously playing this guy who's kind of an idiot and very anxious all the time and is just freaking the hell out. And she's just like, what, I'm just, what are you doing? Why Why are you so nervous? Like just asking you a question. And that like scene is so it's so perfect. It's like you can see William H. Macy like shaking with fear over this tiny pregnant woman who is not really asking you that hard of a question. Yeah, you just see him fully break down and just realize how much shit he's actually in. Um, and I love the scene after that too, when they go to the motel and they find him trying to escape the window and he's just screaming and wailing like a little kid, just being like, Help, help, I didn't do anything. So funny. Yeah, it's a great performance. Don't uh, I also don't. like? I, I love the moments of power um, that she holds in some like like when she mm-hmm. uh, like in the office scene with uh, Jerry, she's like she's like oh she's like don't get snippy with me or like but she's like her eyes are like something like just drilled mm-hmm. to him like why are you talking to me like this? I'm right. just trying to be nice right now because the whole film like I mean everybody's nice like even Jerry's nice like he I don't think he ever swears when he's angry. He's just like oh gosh golly gosh. Girl like just walks off like flustered but like that like the mo like and even um the scene in the restaurant that is like so far apart from the plot but it's just there oh yeah it's it's such a good scene um but like how she just like when he uh he's like maybe i'll sit over here on this side she's like no no i think i think you're uh you can stay on that side like but like just those moments i'm like she she's a badass deep down and a leader and like knows what she's doing but like She's so wholesome and wholehearted. Um, mm. So I yeah. just love, I love those like little moments. Um, was this yeah. her first Oscar? She won for this? I didn't know that. Yes, she won yeah, Best she Actress in a Leading Roles. Um, yeah, probably is. <laughs> I don't know though. I think so. Sure. Um, yeah. William H. Macy got nominated for Actor in a Supporting Role. Um really good eh, that's all right supporting role year it was a good um leading role year uh supporting role year it was william h macy for fargo edward norton for primal fear james woods for ghosts of mississippi armin mueller stall for shine and cuba gooding jr won for jerry Maguire. Mm. and um francis mcdermott for leading role beat out Diane Keaton in Marvin's Room, Kristen Scott Thomas in The English Patient, Emily Watson in Breaking the Waves, and Brenda Bletherin in Secrets and Lies, which makes sense because hers is the only one that has really lasted this long. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, she deserves it. Good choice, Oscars. Um, 
Although this movie was nominated for Best Picture and did not win. Um, hang on while I get to what won. It was nominated for a bunch of stuff. It won for screenplay, um, which beat yeah, out. Writing is terrific. Yeah, it beat out Jerry Maguire, Secrets and Lies, Lone Star, and Shine. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Um, best Picture. So the nominees were Shine, Secrets and Lies, Jerry Maguire, Fargo, and The English Patient. Which one? Um, mm. Have any of y'all seen The English Patient? I have not. The most I know about The English Patient is that they make fun of it in Seinfeld. So <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this was a, uh, a bad year for the Oscars. Oh, my God. They gave best sound to English Patient over Independence Day. What are they doing? <laughs> what is wow. happening? Who knows what the Oscars were like back then? What uh, what year is this again? Na- nineteen ninety seven. The movie came out in ninety six, but it was the ninety seven oh, okay. Oscars. Yeah. Editing English Patient One beat out Fargo. I don't really like that. Weird, weird year for a lot of it. Uh, what did you guys think about the uh, the based on a true story in the beginning, knowing that this is entirely fiction? Yeah. What the hell. <laughs> I think I actually I personally love that they did that one because it's a comedy so it makes sense to like kind of throw that in but also it I feel like one at the times came out in the 90s and this was kind of like a big era when the marketing for movies was like based on a true story this is real like the Blair Witch Project was around this time too when everyone believed that that was actually like a real thing like like marketing was kind of like kind of going in that direction where it was like based it was a true story but it actually wasn't so kind of fit into that but also i feel like when you read that in the beginning it makes you pay attention to everything more because you're like oh this is a true story like this happened this happened this happened it just kind of makes you pay attention to the whole thing more if that wasn't there you might be kind of like more laid back throughout of that out of, through all of it because it's such like a kind of a laid back vibe to begin with blair witch didn't really happen <laughs> what <laughs> It's funny. I was talking to um, someone, my, one of my friends, who um, <laughs> no, no, this is a much older. She she's in like her forties, but she was around. She was a, like a teenager when Blair Witch came out, and she was telling me that like all her friends and everyone she knew like believed yeah. the hype of this movie and how like big like, it was. Yeah, yeah, and like everyone seeing this movie thought it was, it was like a real deal, like mm-hmm. the real thing, and it really creeped people out. Christ, that would be a terrifying world. <laughs> Can't do that in today's world no or maybe you can honestly like people are super skeptical but also they'll believe anything like it's tough having the internet at your fingertips jacob make a really convincing found footage movie and i bet we can convince people it's real the best found footage movie which is one of my favorite movies ever is chronicle oh (laughs) cloverfield's great too but chronicle is one of my favorites and i think it's highly underrated well that's a great shout we get we have to say put that in the back pocket we're doing that one day Um, 100% all right so we talked about the how it's really funny but also some parts of it are super fucked up um and also the true story thing of the true story part of it I I it's definitely it's it's a comedy and a thriller and it's like both and it's really dark comedy is that true story thing in there to kind of make you feel bad about laughing at it like Mm. there's parts i feel bad at laughing about like because this is some some 
This is like a fucked up situation. I, mean, I know I, I watched or read somewhere. I think they stories like this. I mean, they they created a fictitious story, but there's there was different accounts of like different murder uh, scenarios yeah. that all. Um, this is something that has hundred percent happened before. Like a fake kidnapping for a ransom is a hundred percent something that's happened. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't know. I think like Jay, honestly, the third time watching it was just like hilarious. Like I like I wasn't really <laughs> taking anything. It wasn't. I mean, it has a thriller aspect and like, but like, it was so funny this time. So funny. And yeah, like definitely Jay, get, it definitely gets funnier as you yeah, more times you watch, you watch it. it. I imagine. It's um and we were talking about how it has a little bit of everything in it, but like this really is I think the movie that has like the roots for the rest of their career. Um and it's insane like they they kind of spend the rest of their career like focusing on little aspects of stuff they do in this movie like they take like the, while it's not necessarily planes in this movie, it's more like long fields of snow. They take that and like the quiet parts and then the, obviously the over the top violence and they make No Country for Old Men for Old Men. And then they make the Big Lebowski and Burn After Reading. And then they do another kind of like wacky um, adventure about criminals and they make um, Oh Brother Where Art Thou? And it's all over the place. And it's this movie even has some Western aspects to it, and true, they make go and make True Grit and Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Like the Coen brothers as directors are so diverse, and watching them be able to kind of put all these aspects into one movie at the beginning of their careers, I thought was super interesting. Like one reason I'm very glad that I finally got to watch this movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think everything this movie has going for it was fantastic. Directing, screenplay, acting, cinematography. Music was great, too. Really good um, music. And we got, I don't know if any of you have seen it, but we got an incredible TV show out of it, too. Right. I was um, going to ask you about that. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that yet. Um, yeah, directed by Noah Howley, who did uh, Legion. Um, that's all I can remember off the top of my head. But <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, but he's a yeah, he's a great director. And it's an anthology series that is very, very loosely based off the movie. Um, season one kind of follows the movie the most, and then the rest of the seasons kind of do their own thing. Um, but seasons one and seasons two are, I think, like masterpieces. Season two, especially, is my favorite. Um, they're incredible. Seasons three, season three is pretty good. Season four, I haven't seen yet, but I heard it was a little iffy. Um, but yeah, definitely worth checking out because it's very, very, very good. So you were talking to me about this when I was watching it. Um, you said it like is about what's around the movie. Is it like, do they do the story in the movie? Or like, is it another crime going on around the time? Like, what is it? Exactly. I need you to be a little bit more specific about so, it. So season one is basically the story where someone hires um, two criminals to kill or kidnap their wife and then regrets it. Um, so it follows that, but it, it goes way past the, the story of the movie. Um, mm -hmm. Kind of does its own thing, does little twists and turns. Then season two, completely different story, completely different time period. They connect it with like one or two characters um, between seasons, okay. but it's a completely different thing. It is a crime-based story. 
um it's, it's it has the same vibe throughout all of it as the movies does like it's fun it's dark comedy it's a little okay. bleak it's um it's violent um but yeah and it, it gets very out there too I was about to ask if they kept it funny because I think that is a, oh yeah an integral part of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hilarious. So this movie very much, I think is it's it falls under the true crime, even though it's not true. It fits, I think, the true crime genre. Like this could be a podcast now, like how people are obsessed with the true crime mm. stuff. Yeah, this is totally off. I don't really like that stuff like uh it seems a little kind of messed up to be like so entranced by these real life murders if this comes out now i think it translates super well like it would you could make this movie now and it would do really well yeah i think i agree with that too yeah like i said before it has something for everyone in this movie right it's not and it's not it's not something like that is super dated by the technology of its time either it's not like they're like constantly going to pay phones like in heat like like you could do the story with cell phones around and like have the same exact story Mm -hmm. like all they have to do is throw the wife's phone out the window or something right yeah or just make it take place at the same time period yeah do do it yeah do it as a period um and uh, set it in the 90s that's totally fun yeah I loved it. Um, what's all right? Give me a favorite scene, a favorite quote, just a favorite thing from this movie. It can't oh, be. Yeah. Oh yeah, no. God. <laughs> oh yeah. No, no, no. Um, we were talking about a little earlier before we started recording, but Steve Buscemi when um his <laughs> no, not this one. When his, when his partner shoots the uh the cop in the head and it's bleeding all over him, and he just goes oh daddy and he says it like five <laughs> times just keeps repeating it oh daddy just watching this blood just gushing all over himself uh, it's so funny especially because that scene is so bizarre and you're seeing a cop just bleed out all over him and that's what he's saying i never i don't want to hear you ever say oh daddy in the microphone again if you look at real quick at nick in the zoom box i'll describe that for, just for those at home it looks like he's breaking again and he doesn't know what he's gonna pick I think I think I love when uh, Steve Buscemi comes in after he gets like shot in the face and he's like <laughs> drilling him like while he's just eating. Yeah. Watching it, he's like, I got shot in the face. I got shot in the face. And you're like, I just think the whole like getting shot in the face and how he got shot is hilarious. Just like, I love how they show like what he's watching yeah. and how it's like a very gripping scene yeah. or it's like the climax yeah. of the movie. And that's yeah. when Steve Buscemi like, just like, pushes yeah. in. He's like, I'm pregnant. And then like he's like about to like <laughs> tears about to like form as he's like eating his frozen dinner. And I'm like, I don't know. Everything about everything about those two are just every scene is just hilarious. Really. Like the, it's like the odd couple. It's really yeah. it's just put two guys with opposite characteristics and they're gonna be hilarious together. Um yeah, I was absolutely rolling when he's like you pay me off for half the car after he gave him his yeah. truck and he's like I shot in the face. <laughs> and i like um, the way he dies i'm just like oh my god this guy cannot catch a break like oh he's storming off and he thinks he's about to go take that yeah. million dollars and then that axe comes uh, <laughs> oh it's amazing um all right i'm gonna go i'll, I'll fade the bushimi 
because uh, we got two Bushimi shouts in here. I love, although I, I love everything he does in this movie. My favorite guy. He is a funny looking guy. My absolute favorite moment. And I texted this to Jacob when it happened because I was dying laughing was, oh, this is still Steve Buscemi. Damn it. It's when Steve <laughs> Buscemi shoots Wade Gustafson, the father-in-law played by Harvey oh, yeah. Presnell, <laughs> and never dropping the Minnesota as he falls to the ground, shot in the stomach, Wade Gustafson says in slow motion, oh, jeez. <laughs> and hits the ground and i'm crying laughing at this man being shot in the stomach because all he wants is his daughter back <laughs> oh jeez! and it's the funniest thing in the world oh it's it kills me i'm like tearing up right now just talking yeah. about it um i really wish that i knew how to do licensing stuff so i could like put clips of these in because yeah if you haven't seen this movie and you're this far in this pod i'm sorry we ruined it for you if you have seen it, go watch that back because it's it's the funniest thing in the world. Um, we didn't really hit it very hard, but Harvey Presnell is such a good, like, disappointed stepfather in this movie. <laughs> he's perfect. Um, I love how, like, he's smart, too, in this movie. Like, he doesn't fall for William H. Macy's tricks. Right, he's like, something's, he's like, something's fucking weird about this. Like, I'm dropping off the money. Yeah. But then also a little bit of... <laughs> William H. Macy is like, no, like, this is what they said to do, or they're going to kill the daughter, like, kill your daughter, kill my wife. And, like, I was like, yeah, man, like, in this situation, you probably should listen to the pe- person the kidnappers are talking to. Yeah. And then Steve Buscemi's like, where's Jerry? And I'm like, I told you. I t- yeah. I'm screaming at the TV. Like, That's this, true. Is, this is a scenario where you play it safe. Oh, geez. Oh, geez. All right. Anybody got any final thoughts? I feel like we've hit everything. Unless I unless I miss something, that's it for me. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think, I think that's it. Yeah. You think? You betcha. All right. Um, go see the color of Yale, or don't, or look go it up on YouTube. It. Don't go see it because it's not screening anywhere. No, not in theaters, but not on YouTube. Bad. Watch it on your big not, screen. Good it shout, on, Nick. Uh, your TV. Good shout, Nick. Nick's starting to get it. Hey. Not yet. Um. All right. I appreciate you guys having coming on here and well Jacob you're here every time. But Nick, thank I appreciate you, you, you coming on. Yeah, no, yeah thanks for coming you. on, man. Yeah, thank um, you so much. So much and fun. also congrats on the, the film release. You did an amazing nice. job. <laughs> nice. Hey, congrats to you too, Jacob. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> All right. This was a good time. Yeah. Jacob, we I might I might let Nick come back on one day. We'll see. We'll yeah. see. he's got to answer the uh, pta question before he comes back on yes i need i need like an audio clip that i can put in (sighs) all right um (laughs) we'll figure it out we'll get there all right thank you guys for coming on until next time i'll talk to you next time buddy thanks nick go see the color of you thank you